Kedushin, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Base 1-2. And since in the previous Mishnah we had discussed the various mechanisms by which one's a woman's rights as a wife, marriage rights, are transferred over to the husband, we now talk about other kinyanim, other ways in which one transfers rights. Um, now going for a number of Mishnahs here. It's interesting. Uh, it can't be um, overstated how significant the lachas of kinyanim are. Uh, in fact, the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam's Mishnah Torah has 14 books. One of the 14 books, the Sefer Kinyan, is about all the various halachas that apply to um, property rights. So here in our Mishnah, Mishnah base, we're talking about the Eved Ivri, the Jewish servant. Now, a Jew can become a servant or a slave, really, um, in one of, uh, let's call it four ways. Uh, the primary way is if you have a Jewish uh, man who steals and can't pay back what he stole. So then the halacha is that the Bezin will actually sell him into servitude for six years and use the proceeds um, to essentially reimburse the person, the victim of the, of the theft. Um, that's peculiar specifically to theft, not other kinds of crimes. Um, but uh, this like six-year penalty slash recovering of the money is is unique and sort of like a kind of like a punishment. Um it's also possible for a regular Jewish man to sell himself as a slave, a servant, um, to a, a fellow Jew, um, although this is really totally against the spirit of the Torah. The Torah really wants people to be b'nei choren, free, and uh, be autonomous and be responsible for their lives, and therefore really it's forbidden for a, a Jewish man to do that unless he has literally nothing left, meaning not he doesn't even have a shirt on his back. He has no food. He has no way to support himself, so he's utterly destitute. At that point, and the Torah permits him to sell himself as an Evid. Um, and in such a case, uh, really, he isn't, uh, that, that's like a, a sale of his, of his, uh, production, I'll call it, of his, of his production rights, his time. Um, at that point, there isn't really like a six year, uh, limit. He could sell himself for 10 years if he wants to, or that kind of thing. Um, there's another possibility of a Jew selling himself to a, a Gentile, but that's forbidden by the Torah at all, at all events. You're not allowed to do that. If you do, the sale is binding, um, at which point it becomes a mitzvah on the community to, to be poda redeem this uh, person who sold himself. Um, but he's, even though he did something that he wasn't allowed to do, but we want to not let him get sunk and lost amongst the Gentiles. Um, the fourth way a person could become uh, a Jewish slave is actually not the Evid Ivri, but the Ama Ivriya, a Jewish slave girl. This is something totally different. Uh, it's a minor, a girl whose parents are destitute. Uh, they sell their daughter with the hopes that she will end up marrying the person who, who buys her. Um, as gruesome as that sounds, that was their only option. Um, and there, by the time the girl becomes local bas mitzvah for right now, at that point she goes free no matter what. There's no such thing as like older Jewish girls being being uh, a vadim or, shva, or you know an ama. Now, the difference between an Eved and a regular worker, I want to make sure this is clear. Uh, there's basically two differences. The primary difference is like this. In Jewish law, there's basically two ways a person can be an employee. He can be what's called a kablan, a contracted worker, where he says, listen, um, I'll build you a table and chairs, and you'll pay me $1,000, and they, they, they agree to that. So then the employer who's contracted for the table and chairs has no rights over the worker's time. Um, he just pays for the finished product. That's called kablanus. The other possibility is a poel. A poel is a worker who essentially sells his time, usually translated as like a day worker, but the point is he's, he says, I'll, you know, pick your olives for the day, and you'll pay me $100. So that is a poel. His time essentially isn't his own um, while he is a worker. 
you know, well, the, the contracted work period. Um, he has to dedicate all his, essentially all his time to doing the job that he was contracted to do. But a, a Poel can at any time say, you know what, forget it. I'm not doing this. He can, just, he can just walk off the job. Okay, he won't get paid. But the point is, he's free to say, no, I didn't realize how hard it would be, how unpleasant you'd be, the work conditions I'd have to endure. I'm not doing this. Goodbye. And he's within his rights to do that. Okay? An Eved is someone who cannot say no. Okay? He's not allowed to. Once his his uh, his time is in purchase as an Eved, essentially, I'll call it for six years. So then, for those six years, the, the Eved must do whatever he's told. He's not allowed to refuse the work. He cannot say this is you know what I, not what I bargained for. He has to do the work, and because of that, the Torah puts in tremendous protections against the abuse of avadim. So that means an evid is not allowed to be uh, given an open-ended job to do this until I come back. No, you have to give a specific job with a specific time limit. An evid can't be asked to do demeaning work. Things that, that a normal, you know, that the employer himself wouldn't do. You can't do things that make him look servile, like a slave, and so on, or do something that's, you know, that the, the, the employer doesn't need. He just does it sort of to be, you know, to keep the guy busy or to punish him or to make himself feel, make the employer feel important. All that is forbidden. Similarly, a Jewish um, slave, an Evid Ivri, is um, has to be maintained on an economic standard that's tantamount equal to the employer. So they have to live, they have to eat the same food, drink the same drink have the same quality housing, same quality clothing, and so on. And more than that, the employer, I'll call him, um, of this Evid Ivri, has to support his wife if he has a he has a wife, children, even his parents. So the relationship is kind of complicated, not exactly what you would think. Um, the other major difference is that a person who is an Evid Ivri because the Bezdin sold him because he stole and couldn't pay back, so there's a separate rule all to itself, which is that the purchaser of that Evid Ivri can uh, demand of him to to essentially live with a uh, a Shifcha Kananis, a Gentile slave girl, to make to impregnate her and to make more slave children for him, the owner. So normally it's absolutely forbidden for a Jewish man to sleep with a non-Jewish woman or even a, a Shifcha who's like quasi-Jewish, whatever she is. Um, she's not Jewish. So she, that's forbidden. But it, the one discrepancy is that if a person is an Evid, and specifically the Rambam Paskins, he was sold into servitude uh, because of his, his stealing. So that person can be forced um, to live with this this uh, Gentile, whatever, Evid, she is, Shifcha Kananis. So that's one other specific difference between an Evid and a regular person. So our mission here wants to say, at what point is the illegal um, event happening where the person has the status of being an Evid? So the question is, what are the Masa Kenyan and what are the acts that can affect that? So our Mishnah says, Evidivri nikne bekesef uvishtar. An Evidivri becomes an Evidivri um, with one of two mechanisms, says the Mishnah. Kesef, which is money, and shtar, which is a contract. So that would mean, the Kesef would mean, this guy stole, the Bezdin now has him, and the Bezdin will sell him to somebody. So just to make sure it's clear, if A, the the person who did the stealing stole money from or whatever, stole something from Mr. B. It's not that Mr. B has to now take him as a slave. Maybe he's going to say, listen, I don't trust that guy. I don't know I'm working in my house. But the point is, the courts will take Mr. A, they'll sell him to Mr. C. As soon as the courts get the money from Mr. C, Mr. A becomes an Evid, and then the courts use the money to pay back Mr. B as appropriate. Okay, so that's Kesef. Shtar is a, a contract. So that means the contract says... This person's hareta kanuilo. He's you're you know you're now owned by this guy or something like that. That's the Bartonor learns, meaning that it's the the paradigm is sort of like a 
the marriage paradigm where the just as the husband gives the document to the wife to effect that she you now transfers her rights of marriage over to him. So according to Bartonur, it would be that the employer gives the, the documents to the slave and that transfers over the working rights, the time rights, to the employer. That's the Bartonur learns. Um, the Rambam learns, like others, that the paradigm is really more analogous to how like a, a real estate transaction happens, all based on Psukim, meaning that just as in a real estate trans- transaction, it's the buyer who ends up with the deed, to the property, not the seller. So, so too, the buyer of the Evid would end up with the piece of paper, the document. So that means that the Evid would give a document to the to the buyer saying that he has now been acquired by that buyer. Okay. V'kones atzmo b'shanim uviyovel uvegeron kesef. The Evid can reacquire himself, meaning his time, his autonomy back, um, in these three ways, says the Mishnah. Vishanim, years. So it's always a seven year sale, at least if the Bezin sells them, it's seven years. And don't get confused, this has nothing to do with the Shemitah cycle whatsoever. If the Shemitah cycle happens in the middle of the six years, so then so what? He works through the Shemitah year. It's a six year sale. At the beginning of the seventh year, the Evid goes free. Uvi Yovel. Yovel is the Yovel year that happens um, in the 50, every 50 years, right? Seven cycles of seven Shemitahs, and the 50th year is the Yovel year. On that year, the the uh, the Evid goes free no matter what, even if it's like one year into his sale or something like that, it doesn't matter. Um, and also Giron Kasef, which means essentially a prorated payment of the amount of money that's still of the sale, which would mean like something like this. Let's say the sale is for six years. Six years is um, 72 months, right? Six times 12 is 72. So the six years is really day to day. But let's say, so let's say the person is being sold for 72 months. And let's say his sale price is $72,000 for those 72 months. So then, if when there are, you know, 31 months left till he's going to be freed, if the evidence can come up with $31,000, so then he can buy his freedom. So it's paraded and it adjusts as the amount of time goes down. That's Geron Kesef. Now you'll note that the Mishnah here and Mishnah based didn't say in two ways and three ways, unlike the previous mission. The previous mission said the woman is acquired in three ways. Here, it just says the Evid is acquired Kesef and Shtar. It doesn't say two ways. And the reason is because um, there actually are other ways this can work. Like, for example, um, the Evid can go free with a get, with a get shikhrur, with a, with a you know, um, emancipation, writ of emancipation, such a document would free him. But the mission, as I mentioned here, because the point is um, our, our listing of the ways in which he goes free are the ways that he goes free, so to speak, against the will of the buyer. Whereas when it comes to the get of Shechrur, that emancipation document must come, you know, willfully from, from the buyer. Says the mission further, Yesera alav amah ivriya. When it comes to the Jewish girl who is a slave girl, there's another way that she is... Um, she gets her freedom, which is shakonis atzma besimonin. She becomes freed from her servitude when she reaches bas mitzvah. Now, simonim means signs. It refers to signs of puberty, meaning she has two pubic hairs. Um, so that means she's both, really. She's both 12 years old, as we would call it. And she also has a puberty. So at that point, those signs of puberty make it that she is now free because the Torah will not countenance a, um, a Jewish woman being being a being a slave it's not a, not a thing not a possibility it just certainly cannot ever sell herself so she would be sold by her father let's say prior to you know when she was a child um uh, and then she goes free the hope is the father hopes that the purchaser will end up marrying her but he didn't so she goes free when she hits puberty
Okay, now the truth is, um, there are other ways as well she can go free. Most notably is that if her Adon, the master, dies, the person, person who, who paid for her. So if he dies, the Jewish slave girl is not passed on to some kind of Yerusha, some kind of property that goes and is inherited one to the other. No, when the purchaser dies, so then that's it. When it comes to Jewish slave men, um, it's not just the purchaser dying, but if he, if the purchaser um, had male children, the male children would inherit. Um, but it's only that far. In other words, there's, if there's, like, so there's no male children, so there's like, let's say his brother might inherit him or his father might inherit him, depending who's alive. So the the father of the deceased would inherit the estate, but the father of the deceased would not inherit the Jewish slave. The Jewish slave goes free, only the son. So that's the difference in the, the a male and female slave that uh, the male Jewish slave would pass down to son specifically and uh, in the event of the death of the master, whereas the Jewish slave girl doesn't pass on to anybody. She goes free immediately. Um, and the mission didn't say that because, again, it's more complicated and has those details. Fine. Now, the mission continues on now talking about the Nirtza. Now, the Nirtza, the Torah's position is that people should be autonomous. They should never be sold into servitude, um, if at all possible. And we have these ideas that maybe we have no choice in the certain scenarios we said before. Now, if a person um, was sold into slavery and uh, his six years are up and he doesn't want to go free, he says he loves his, you know, his slave girl, now the, the Shifka Kananis, the slave wife he has and his children, and he likes the comfort of living uh, with, you know, the master and so on. So, even though that's terrible, um, a person should, you know, above all else, want to be independent, autonomous, have his own life, and not and not uh, not really sort of be like a barnacle attached to somebody else. Um, but the Torah acknowledges this is a possibility, acknowledges that this is a person I want, that, and therefore there's such a possibility of a person saying, I don't want to go free. If that's the case, so he becomes, he has a special procedure called um, the Rotsea, Nirtza with an ayin. What happens is that uh, he he's brought to like a door and they, they put a, a puncture, like an awl, like a tool through his ear to puncture a hole in his ear. That's that's, that's called Nirtza, the person has been perforated in his ear. And he um, then is Nikna Beritsia. That act of Ritsia is puncture makes him now continue to be um, not just a regular six-year Evid Ivory, but like someone who's there, uh, you know, for the long haul. But the long haul isn't forever. Because the mission says, Vakonas atmo beyovel uvamisa saadon. Anyways, the Nirtz is going to go free in one of two events. Either A, when Yovel comes, that Jubilee year, in the 50th year, um, the, the, whether the Nirtz likes it or not, he's going free. And that could, of course, be the Yovel happens every 50 years, but it could be it happens, you know, one year after his Ritzia, um, etc. Because um, the Torah wants him to be free, right? So this, there's a limit to this. Um, or also, uh, Misas Ha'adon, if his master dies, he's forced to go free. Again, the Nirza doesn't get passed on to anybody, just like the Amevriya, the Jewish girl servant, doesn't get passed on. So neither does the, does the Nirza. Now, there's no real halacha lamaisa here, um, in as much as the Rabban Paskin that since we have no Yovel operating now in this time, so then there's no, while there's no Yovel, there's no applicability for um, Jewish slave girls or slave boys. It's just not a possibility, not not allowed um, currently under operational Torah law.